Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Out of the Cave podcast. This podcast, you, you could say it's about a lot of things, but really the real purpose of this podcast is a way for me to have conversations with people I find interesting and want to speak with. I've always been interested in what it means to be a man, personality, relationships, morality, the existence of God, and a bunch of other topics in that same vein. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations and take something away like I will. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Mayor, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Aloha, glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I, I like what Father Mitch Pacwa says about himself. He says he's born in Chicago, but he got to Texas just as fast as he could. I was actually born in North Dakota, but when I was a young kid, my dad started talking about moving to California, to the Santa Cruz area. So I like to say I was born in North Dakota, but I got to this beach just as fast as I could. And so been ever since I was little, I was a waterman, as we say you know, body surfing, and then eventually that became surfing, and then it became uh, tandem surfing. But my, it's my life, it's my, and all my children all surf too. You know, yeah. so it's, and, and I've worked on my three sons, I have three sons and a daughter. Um, my, my, my three sons have all worked on the beach here in Waikiki, and my daughter was a champion surfer. So it's kind of like just part of our nature to surf, you know. We just got out of the water just now. We just, it's, we're in Waikiki. I'll kind of show you. Here, maybe I can show you this. I don't know. Kind of a little lull in the surf right now. But For those who can't see, I'm getting a beautiful view of the ocean with some nice, nice surf. Yeah, beautiful view of Waikiki. Well, we just, my son Jeremiah just moved back to Hawaii. He's famous for surfing an 85-foot wave back uh, in 2007, I think it was. But anyway, we... Uh, my wife and Jeremiah and I paddled out stand-up paddle surfing. That's what you, you surf when you're, you're standing up catching waves. So we paddled out here to a place called Canoes, which is famous for all of the, the canoes, the, the beach boys, you know, surf, um, surf. The tourists get in these big canoes and they surf these waves. So um, we share that area with the canoes. And then right in front of my house is a place called Queens, named after Queen Lilio Kalani. And my condo is the only condo on the beach in Waikiki. It's built on her land. It was originally her land. And then we paddled out to a place called Pops, Populars. And we got out there and there were just some, some big, beautiful, perfect waves and so many people out. You know, we don't have any tourists here right now because of the quarantine. It'll be lifted by the end of, of July. But um, so it's just all your friends that you haven't seen in a while. And I got a nice one and Jeremiah got a nice one. And my wife's name, Cindy, means Kini uh, in Hawaii. And, and, uh, you know, there's a place here called Pukinikini. It's this type of flower. So we, that, this area that she surfs is called Pukinikini. It's kind of, in a way, named after her. So she surfed on the inside. We surfed about a quarter of a mile out. And then I got over to Canoes. I paddled back towards my house. It's about an eighth of a mile. And I looked out, and I'm, I see a mon the monster set of the day coming. And I'm on my stand-up paddleboard, so I can see it, right? So I'm kind of working my way casually out, like I'm just going to paddle around the the, the, the takeoff zone and then it came and I started paddling for it. So as everybody's paddling out because they see the wave, I'm paddling to drop in and just got the big juicy wave. Everyone's yelling, go bear. And then caught that wave and then came around and paddled back out and then went over to Queens and I picked off. I try to time myself because we surf reefs here. So I try to time myself when I'm doing long stand up paddles to arrive at the reef right when the wave does. And so I got another juicy one and then we came on, came in and just, and we just kind of lay around in the water when we get to the inside and see, you know, I just kind of talk story and, and kind of just enjoy the, the refreshing ocean. And then 
come in and talk to Vincent. So we had a beautiful morning already. Yeah. Sounds awesome. You have a very impressive resume uh, for those who haven't heard of you. You've done pretty much everything. And for guys, I think you're definitely a figure like, wow, I want to be like that guy. <laughs> You've done some. Yeah, well, I'm older things. enough. I've had time to do all, all that stuff, you know. That's right. So what's the biggest wave you've ever surfed? Well, I'm not really a big wave surfer. Like yeah. there's people that live to surf big waves. I mean, they're, they're better meteorologists than any weatherman. They know. Like the swell we're surfing right now probably came from New Zealand. So it's, a, it's a, storm, a storm that's several thousand miles away. So you really got to track those storms. The biggest wave I've ever surfed is 24 foot. But um, that's kind of the beginning of big. Nowadays, that used to be when I was younger, that was a big wave. But nowadays, that's like, that's like the beginning of big waves. There's people towing in. I mean, they get so big, once they get over 45 feet, you cannot paddle into them. You know, we use these big guns. They're called rhino chasers to catch those big waves. But when you, it gets too big, then you get towed in by a jet ski and you drop the rope. And so then you can surf on a shorter, shorter, um, a shorter board. But I just, I'm always been the one that goes out no matter what. Sometimes that's gotten me in trouble. But my big problem is I have the wrong kind of friends, friends who like to surf big waves. But when I turned 55, I decided 20 foot would be my limit, which is really, or I guess it was 55, yeah, 55. So, um, uh, I was kind of glad that day happened because I don't get sweaty palms anymore when I see huge, huge, huge waves. So you have a whole ministry about adventures and finding God through doing awesome things. How did you find that mission? What do you think about when you're doing something like riding a big wave or, or you know, doing kind of these, you know, repelling off mountains or <laughs> doing these kind of things? Yeah. Oh, it's like, I think, I know that God has an apostolate for everyone, has a calling for everyone. I think the greatest adventure in my life is to be married and have four children. I have actually um, five because we had one miscarriage, but um, I, uh, I think the greatest adventure you can have in life is to have children, to bring an eternal being into existence. But um, the thing I've learned about life is you should go with what God puts in your heart to do. You know, uh, you know when, the first time I ever saw surfing, that was all I ever wanted to do. And so I went with that. And then I saw a Bruce Lee movie once and Billy Jack back in the day, and I go, oh, I got to do martial arts. So I made martial arts was kind of what I did to train for surfing. But I lived a martial arts lifestyle and taught martial arts for a long time. But mostly, but that wasn't my main thing. That was just something that I did. And so there's a lot of things in life I just wanted to do once. Like I wanted to skydive once. You know, I've probably jumped 10 times. My wife is a licensed skydiver. Um, I wanted to run with the bulls once in Pamplona. I happened to run on the bloodiest day in the history of Pamplona. Uh, but you know what's stupid is I actually ran twice, right? To do it a second time is really stupid. And I always wanted, I had an opportunity to go rappelling when I was at the Catholic Charismatic Benedictine Monastery in the, nor in the mountains of northern New Mexico in the Pecos wilderness. So I did that, you know, so I just, I just like learning to pilot a plane. My youngest son, I have a picture of him over here. He's in his 30s now, but he always wanted to, he was fascinated by planes and I always wanted to be able to land one. So when he got a senior year in high school, we started taking flying lessons together. And so I've got my pilot license, but I wouldn't say I'm a pilot, you know, I'm a rusty pilot. I, I go out with an instructor when I go fly, but I can fly. I know, how to, I know how to write up the navigational charts and fly island hops. So I think a lot of it is just um, to see things that God puts in your heart and that, that are, you're drawn for towards and do that. And then out of that uh, births, 
the ministry that God has for you. It's, you know, your natural, just go. There's a verse that says, when your children are young, train them in the way that they should go and they will not depart when they're, when they're older. Well, a lot of that has to do with their Christian walk, but also it says the word is to train them like in the way that they are, should go. Like certain trees want to grow certain ways. Help your children understand who they are and then help them to become more like what they are. And so that's kind of what it is. I've just, I've lived this adventurous lifestyle. Um, but out of that natural tendency to, to seek whatever that is, has grown the ministry because I've just, I've just done what I've just done what comes natural. God has created each of us with a purpose. He didn't give you certain gifts and talents and abilities so that you would deny all those and do something you hate, you know, as a ministry. Like I know you love what you're doing right now. I'm sure you do. So that's just a natural, the natural way you are and you're, you're pursuing it. Yeah, definitely. Do you think adventure, that way of finding your, your, I guess you could say purpose, do you think that's something for everybody or, you know, these people who are maybe a little bit more safe, who want, who don't want to take risks? Well, you cannot be safe and be a Christian. Those two words don't go together, right? You're a Christian. God wants you to be bold. That doesn't mean he wants you to go, you know, go skydiving. But if you're a Christian, well, that's why you have the seven virtues, right? The four cardinal virtues of justice, fortitude, self-mastery, and prudence. Uh, along with faith, hope, and love. But those those four cardinal virtues, people sometimes think that prudence and fortitude or boldness kind of balance each other or, or they fight against each other, but that's not true at all. Prudence is called the charioteer of the virtues, right? It guides all the virtues. And so coraggio or fortitude um, is what you're called to be if you're a Christian, but prudence guides that and gives it, gives it uh, its direction and its wisdom, seeking the true good in what you do. But if you're a Christian and, if you're, not, and you're not being bold, then uh, what are you doing? Like what you're doing right now is bold. Step out in faith. Uh, you, you see someone, you, like I was talking to Jeff Cavins yesterday, you know, you, you start out the day in prayer and you ask the Lord to use you. And then you see someone or you bump into someone or you're, or, you're in line somewhere and you talk with someone and the Lord, because you really love them, opens up, you know, your heart to ask them a question and then another question. And then it's pretty soon uh, you're sharing the good news with them. That's to me what the adventure is. I mean, Jeff Caven's ministry is called the great adventure. Mine's called deep adventure. It's interesting, isn't it? There's nothing more adventurous than being a Christian. If, you, and if you're not having an adventure, if you're not having your faith stretched, then you're a, a lukewarm Christian. And Jesus said, I vomit those, I, I explode vomit those out of my mouth. So if you're not having, a, if you're a Christian, and you're not having an adventure, you're missing, you're missing, something's missing. Probably your prayer life, because that's where it's all birthed. I definitely agree with that. What would you say to somebody who is overcome with fear and that's stopping them from going out and doing what they think they're called to do and, and living that true Christian life? Well, I know like I was afraid of six foot waves and then I was afraid of seven foot waves. And then later I was only afraid of 10 foot waves, you know? And so what you have to do is take that first step. You don't have to take a huge leap. Just do the next little thing God is asking you to do. Now, I don't know what you mean in particular, but if it's to share your faith, first of all, take the first step. What would that be? Read the catechism. You know, get your, get your tools sharpened. What's the next thing? You should be, you should be um, uh, 
praying, doing the liturgy of the hours, praying the rosary, and ask God to use you. But God never asks you to be a theologian. He just asks you to be a witness. And so anybody can be a witness. I mean, you can see a traffic accident and just be standing there and be a witness. So as a Christian, as you, as you deepen your walk with the Lord, you're a witness. When my friend Crazy Todd tells, you know, tells me, why do you believe in all that God stuff? And I just tell him, because I know him. I don't have to break out the five reasons for the existence of God from Thomas Aquinas. I can just say, because I know him. I really know him. I experienced God. And let me tell you what he, what he did yesterday. But, but open up and begin to um, just share it. If, if you're afraid to, to, to share the gospel, then first thing would be to start asking people questions. You'll learn this, Vincent, as you go on. The more you interview people, the more you, you'll understand everybody has a great story. And it's a story of Rocky Balboa. Everybody has an adversity and adventure uh, and, and wants to tell their story. God is a story. God, right? He created the universe. He put us on a path towards a story. So ask people their stories. Just ask them questions and be really, the more you ask people questions, the more you're going to find out, wow, the most boring person in the room will blow your mind. That was definitely a, a reason for me starting this podcast. I, I recognize that in my professors and people I met, yeah, everybody had something to say. And there was a lot of people who weren't being heard or didn't have a voice to tell those stories. And so I wanted to use this podcast with its mission to help men grow um, in character, find a purpose, find meaning through conversations like this and, and explore, explore these ideas. If you want to find your purpose, follow your responsibility. Follow your kuleana, as we say in Hawaii. Responsibility is a sacred thing in Hawaii. Um, when I have the responsibility to clear the dishes and someone else has the responsibility to wait on tables, it's sacred to me that that's my responsibility to clear the dishes. And if someone comes and helps me, it's almost like, brah, that's my kuleana. You don't like, don't take my, my possession. And so if you follow your responsibility, I'm, I'm using my book by George Weigel, Witness to Hope, to hold my, my iPad up higher. You know, John Paul II said, you know, um, love and responsibility. If you want to know your calling in life, pursue responsibility. You know, go uh, become uh, someone who looks for the true good and then wills that true good and then does that through self-donation. The way to really find yourself in life is to give yourself away, and you do that through your kuleana. Your responsibility it's a beautiful gift the very first thing god gave to adam and eve was a, was kuleana take care of the garden so then how do you think kuleana or responsibility then how does that balance with adventure i think a lot of people when they think of adventure, it's the same thing it's yeah. the same it's not a balance it's if you pursue your kuleana then you will find the greatest adventure you can have because you're when you when you're walking in your kuleana you're following god's will and that's where the adventure is. That's where it's like being under the spout where the blessings go out and come out, as they say. It's when you're in God's will that you will see God move. If you're walking over here on, in this meadow and God wants you to walk this mountain, uh, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the, on the miracles that God does as you're just walking along. So don't, it, it, the very ordinary of life is the great adventure. And you, and you see in, like in my ministry, how many times have I've been walking and there's just a wall 
that's going to stop me. And I keep walking and then it just kind of disappears. And I see miracles happen and I get to hear the Holy Spirit whisper in my ear. And two hours later, we realize why, because now I'm in front of a person and I know this is why, or I have a decision and I know that's what God spoke to me about. So the greatest adventure, it's like, it's like uh, um, Moses said to Joshua, if you would meditate on God's word, success will attend all that you do. In other words, if you, he said, if you walk in the ways of the Lord, all basically will be well with you. Walk in the ways of the Lord and success will attend what you do. But Samuel said, if you walk in the ways of the Lord, then you walk in the ways of the Lord. Like that's, the, that's its own reward is to walk in God's will. And then if you do that, you get to walk in God's will. You know? And that's when you see the angels. That's when you see the power of God. That's when you pray and people are healed. That's when, but it's also the place where you suffer right with with that responsibility there's a certain suffering that takes place and it's in the very suffering that you find your intimacy with the lord and it's out of suffering that ministry is born let's explore that idea a little bit more let's talk about your your story and your kuleana well i'll tell you what it's 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 beautiful that you asked me because i don't get to share this much i'll say that the beginning of my kuleana experience was probably when I was a junior, maybe I was a senior in high school, and I was in social studies after lunch, so basically falling asleep, and the, the little old lady that was teaching the class was just, it was just horrifyingly boring, and, uh, but I was trying to be attentive, and then it was as if something, there was an epiphany that happened, and for the first time in my life, I realized I could bring an eternal being into existence. I could be a dad. And it was from that moment when my kuleana came to me, my main responsibility. I didn't party. I didn't go to those drinking parties. I was a California kid that moved to Texas in my senior year. I didn't, I, I didn't go to, I didn't hang out with people that were licentious or, or, or lustful or wanting, you know, the free love, the whole the hippie culture. I worked three jobs to go to college. Why? Because my kuleana was my children. I wanted to, uh, I wanted my children to, uh, I want, I was doing that for the children that weren't even born yet. And so, and also I, I was so fortunate to meet the little, really coming into a tremendous conversion experience as a junior in college. And then I began to pray for my, my wife that I didn't know yet. Right. I, and I was faithful. I, I didn't have sex outside of marriage. I didn't have sex until I was married. And so I was faithful to my kuleana the moment that I had that realization that I could be a father and then working hard so I could provide for my family and safeguarding myself so that I would wait till I found the one who I thought would be the mother of my children and then to work like crazy and to try to provide for them as one, one, one by one they showed up. So it's in that cool. It's in that, that was the most sacred of the Kuleana, but also I received a real, uh, blessing from the Lord when I got when I came to know him was the Catholic charismatic renewal when I was 19 of the teaching gift and the preaching gift and the evangelistic gift so that propelled me into that arena too is to evangelize so I have spiritual children and I have my earthly children I think personally I I've always kind of been driven by that idea of responsibility I want to have a family I recognize that from a young age 
I don't want to, you know, have them wanting. Personally, I've dealt with the wrestling with that idea like we've been talking about, I guess. With that, I feel like that is the kuleana. And then I also have these these things that I want to do but don't know how to blend them. What would your advice be to somebody? How do you blend those two? Like, I want to do, I know this is what I have to do. Yeah, you've got to. Don't live inside a box. You know, um, God is always saying, I'm going to expand your boundaries. I'll expand your tent pegs. Don't live inside a box. Um, when I pedaled my bicycle across the United States or when I paddled this very treacherous 30-mile Molokai, the Kiabi Channel between Island of Molokai and Oahu, um, or surfing competitively on the world tour, I mean, that or, or training in martial arts, uh, that all trained me to expand my vision, to say I can do more than, be a, than, than sit inside, you know, than to be a couch potato or to be a nine to five worker. So the, the, whatever God is drawing you into, whether maybe it's writing a book or being artistic or being a musician or having a podcast or, or, or sharing the faith, uh, you know, going out and speaking, um, whatever that is, you know, you're not a one dimensional person. So, um, but, but I have found that when I, every year I used to set a goal for myself, um, a physical goal. Like I'm going to get my second degree black belt or I'm going to pedal across the United States or I'm going to do this. I would set a, a physical goal that was harder for me to accomplish than I thought I could. And in that accomplishing of the physical goal, I grew internally. Right. Pedaling across the United States from San Diego to Jacksonville, Florida, that isn't a physical thing at all. That's 100 percent active will. You know, it's a 100 percent the virtue of fortitude and prudence right so setting goals that push you into these outer out things like like um like some of the adventurous things that i've done that's training in the in the virtues that's training in uh in preparing for the real stuff of life but you can train from the outside in you know you the the, the, the catholic church is very much like that right we kneel we stand at, at mass we hold a rosary we can be kinesthetic right we can experience in a tangible way uh, but for me like when people come to visit me here and they go i want to really experience a vision from the lord i'll take them out and have them jump out of an airplane or or go surfing or do something they've never done before because it breaks them out of their comfort zone as soon as you do an adventure like that it breaks you out of your comfort zone and it says well if i can do that and all of a sudden you go wow i've been limiting my vision to this and if i can like jumping out of an airplane the, the most common thing people experience when they land is I can do anything. If I can do that, I can do anything. So the adventure part of my life is prepared me for the, to know that, you know, hmm, I think I'll start a, a radio show, a podcast. Well, maybe, but then the Lord, as I'm doing that, the Lord said, gave me the vision that I would have a, a show and it would, a fire would start in Florida and then in, in Hawaii at the same time. And then it would go around the United States. Well, I had miraculous uh, I would say the Lord actually went before me when I went to the radio station here. I began to describe to them the vision for my radio show, the Christian, non-Catholic Christian radio station here. And after a minute, she interrupted me and she said, you can stop right there. My husband told me this exact same words last night. You've got a show. And then when I went to Florida, I was doing, um, I was, you know, the other, you know, because I knew there was supposed to be something going on in Florida. I kind of helped some guy co-host a radio show. And the second time I did it, the, um, the station manager said, hey, Mike Huckabee just canceled his drive-home show. He's running for president. 
how would you like to have a Wednesday afternoon drive home show? Sure. So, and then I had a vision of it going throughout the world. So I didn't just sit on that, right? I went and visited about 30 different EWTN local radio affiliates and said, here's my show. I'd love to have you air it on Saturday when you're not using EWTN. And then eventually EWTN said, we want your show. But I knew that was the next thing to do. You know, and then I knew the next thing to do was for me to do the motorcycle reality show. I knew that was the next thing to do. I knew it was the next thing to write my book. It wasn't arbitrary. It was the next thing, uh, a certainty in my heart that that was the next thing to do. And then you do that and then you work diligently and you work hard, but then it's up to the Lord to open up doors. You can't make that happen. But walk in your kuleana, expand your vision through adventure. When people come to visit me, I take them out surfing. I push them out of an airplane and I take him to the top of Diamond Head and I put a journal in their hand and I said, write, say, say, write a letter to God. All your questions, all your thoughts, all your dreams. And the next day I'll have them write down what they think maybe God is saying to them. So writing, crystallizing your thinking and having a real, yeah. It's when you, when you step out, when you're, when you're, where do people have the greatest visions is on the edge of a cliff or the edge of the ocean like last night watching the sunset. You have to live a little bit on the edge in order to hear God's voice, to capture his vision. Got to go a little bit on the edge. Not over the edge, but close to it. Yeah, have you ever seen the movie uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty? I think I did. I don't remember it, though, too well. Yeah, basically the premise is it's this guy, and he's this kind of boring 9-to-5 guy, doesn't really ever go out of his comfort zone. He's worked at uh, Life Magazine, I believe, or Time Life. I think it's Life Magazine. Yeah. You know, 30 years, he's the he's the black and white, you know, developer, photographer, uh, developer. And the, the magazine is going through restructuring and they're moving online and he keeps zoning out and he has like this wonderful imagination and he kind of just spaces out and kind of envisions himself doing these, these awesome things that he's seeing, you know, the photographers doing around the world. And the main photographer uh, writes to him and says, like, come and join me. And he just leaves one day. He leaves work and he goes on this crazy adventure. He ends up like jumping off a helicopter into the North Sea. Uh, he m just misses a volcanic eruption. And he's all trying to just find this photographer. And in the end, it's, uh, I won't spoil it, but he kind of has this, this total transformation and growth in his, in his person. And it's really just through jumping out of his comfort zone. But yeah, but going back to what you said, it's, I think the two is it's faith and and growth or faith and action which do you think of those two of going out of your comfort zone which comes first is it the faith well they're the same because because the word for faith that paul liked to use is pistis which is a which is an active faith it's both ends you know it's, it's it's an obedient active faith faith can do a couple things faith first of all needs to know how to rest faith needs to be able to rest in the lord and quiet, uh, like Paul said, strive to enter into God's rest. What that is is saying, I'm quieting my own agendas. I'm dying to my own, uh, my own worries and agendas, and I'm and I'm resting in the Lord. Once, once uh, I had an experience where I was suddenly unemployed. I was working for a New York bank, and they said, "Move to New York because we're closing the West Coast office." And I said, "No." So they gave me a sort of a silver parachute. And ended up why I started my whole life got was amazing what happened after that. That's when my life, my whole life trajectory changed. But I read the Bible, the New Testament, the Old Testament, and the New Testament again. 
down on the beach all on a six-week period of time. And the thing that really stood out in my mind was, was the whole concept of my people don't listen and enter into the land of rest. That's what the land of rest was called. And so the very first thing we have to do is get quiet and, and listen and abandon ourselves to God's will. Because like when you drop in on an 80-foot, 85-foot wave, you, that, own waves, that wave owns you, you know. So the first thing is faith has to learn to rest. Not my will, but your will will be done. But then faith leaps too, right? The leap of faith. It has to be both. And it's not either or. It's that Catholic, that beautiful Catholic understanding of both end. So faith, faith, the word pistis means active faith. <laughs> but you start with the quietness because that gives you that, that moment of knowing the trajectory, what the next thing is. And then you move in God's will and abandon him. When you drop in on a big wave, the first thing you do is you paddle out and you rest. But you turn your back on the aina, right? You turn your back on the land. You let go of all the temporal things, the cars, the, everything that you own, all that stuff that's left behind. You're like, you're, you're pointing out to sea and you're resting, you're waiting on the Lord. And then when the big wave comes, you paddle with all your heart to catch it. That's pistis, that's faith. And then once you do catch it, a big wave, you're locked in, right? You don't, it owns you. And, and, and you're always to carve back to the power center of that wave. You don't get out in front of it because you lose its power. And the ultimate thing is when the wave covers you, you know, you're like hidden in Christ, that, that tube ride. And so, and also when you ride a big wave, whenever you come to the beach, no one says, wow, you are an awesome surfer. They'll always say, that was a great wave. So when you ride a wave, when you care for your kuleana, you do it right, people don't even see you. They see the wave. They see the Holy Spirit. They look right past you and see what your life is pointing to. So faith is action. It's rest and action, and they go together. They go together. Even when I'm riding a wave, I'm riding the wave, right? I'm, I'm, I'm moving in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? I'm, not, I'm still resting in the Lord. Right. And it's and it's and it's it's when I am weak that I am strong. So faith, uh, faith is this beautiful muscle like this arm here. If I wanted to just pick up a coffee cup every morning and I only had muscle on this side, I just throw it in my face. But this there's muscles on both sides that get, allow me to have the dexterity. So the resting and the action, they go hand in hand, just like a breath. Breathe in, breathe out. There's not a there's not a first and second stage it's both end yeah i think a good example of that is saint joseph right he's kind of kind of an overlooked saint even though he's like so crucial to the to the story right he he does what he thinks he's supposed to do right he he starts setting up a family building a house and then you know god totally destroys that and he his from his point of view right his his soon-to-be wife has slept with somebody and is now pregnant and you know the law tells him to you know to stone her or but, you know, he, he, he's thinking about it, he's wrestling with it, and then, you know, God tells him what to do and to take her into his home, and then, you know, he, he's in Bethlehem, right? And then God tells him to go to Egypt, right? So he's just acting and then following what God actually wants him to do. Um, but, yeah, St. Joseph, I think, is a fantastic example of that idea. That's great. So he was being faithful, and then the angels came, or in the dreams, the angels would come and tell him what to do. All right, well, let's, let's change gears a little bit here. I wanted to ask you... Um, 
what we talk a lot about on this podcast uh, is masculinity, right? It's, it's angled towards men with that idea in mind. I want to ask you, what is the archetypal figure of a man in your eyes? Well, first of all, I don't use the word masculine anymore. I just use the word manly. You know, I, manliness, manliness. I think of my father, um, but it always gives me comfort to, to listen to, to have a John Wayne movie on or a Clint Eastwood movie on. Those guys, that, what they represented. When I was young, Vincent, all my, there were heroes presented to me through media. And that doesn't happen anymore. Um, I mean, I was, the, 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 the gun smoke, you know, it was like a, uh, the Lone Ranger, all those guys, they were all virtuous people. And so um, manliness to me would be John Paul II, uh, Athanasius, you know, fighting, fighting for, the, for the, 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 true, the true doctrine. But to me, the, the manly archetype would be just that father that I see working and maybe even working a second job and laying down his life to provide for his family. Um, his, his focus is on, on uh, his children and on his wife. Uh, but I don't like talking about masculinity because it's been co-opted. I like to say manliness because people cringe when I say that, you know. I don't know. Are you looking for me to point to a certain person that I think of as an archetype? No, no, no yeah, definitely. Like, um, yeah, manliness. What, what are the kind of characteristics of a manly, a manliness man? <laughs> what do we look Yeah, I think it's someone that doesn't move in the face of society's constantly changing its morals i think a manly a manly manliness is like a lighthouse in hawaii uh uh it's that it's that hot, tall palm tree that 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 doesn't move that's the, the that symbol for a man but it's a lighthouse right so when my children move away from what they know i stand for they know they can st- I, I haven't moved they, it's almost like a rubber band. They stretch far, far enough away. Like when I don't hear from my kids, I know they're not, they're, they're not, they're not living up to what they know they should be. Right. But so the first thing a man does is he's not moved. I don't move because society tells me to move. I, I, I stand my ground. I, I'm rooted in the faith, rooted in the doctrine, rooted in the virtues. Men especially need to understand the virtues. They need to understand the seven virtues. And don't be moved by society. A lot of men right now are being challenged in their work. Oh, we need for you to be, in, be on the committee or run the committee for, the, for, the, for Pride Week. Well, I'm sorry. I really, uh, you know, I, I don't have any prejudice, but I don't, it's not something I want to endorse and be a part of. Um, and so they say no. And then the next year they get passed over for the promotion and the next they get passed over the promotion, but they weren't moved by social pressure. Uh, uh, a manly man is not, uh, you know, what my, I lost track of my friends in high school, my two best friends, and they found me. And when we came back together about five or six years ago, and they're involved in my ministry and everything now, they both um, became strong Christians after my conversion. And they said, the one thing we remember about you, Bear, is your respect for women. A manly man respects women. Um, pornography is something that has become like the norm for, young, for the younger generation, both men and women. 
but a man, a real man, uh, protects that woman who's been sold into slavery or has a drug addiction and is, is paying for it by her pornography or, or, or the ones that just sell their bodies because they want fame and fortune for that reason. Uh, but they don't, they don't, um, they don't give you know, opportunity for pornography. They have a, uh, they have a, um, they guard their eyes and they protect their woman. Uh, like Maya, you know, when, when a husband has children that are beating up on their wife, nagging and, and, and harassing them and not obeying, it's your job to protect your wife from her own kids and get up off your butt and go over there and say, sit down over here. You and I are going to have a conversation. Uh, a real man will protect, will protect women. Uh, most of the women that have abortions, and we just, oh, how what a horrible person you had an abortion. I know this to be true that most of the women that have abortions wouldn't have an abortion if there was a strong man in her life, a friend, a father, an uncle, or the fa or, 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 or their own father or the father of that child. If a strong man in their lives would say, um, I'm going to stand with you and I'll help you through this process, I'll be there for you, they wouldn't have that abortion. So all these men accusing these women of how horrible they are, it's your fault. It's the hookup culture's fault. Uh, men, if you're a man, if you are really manly, you will be a virgin on your wedding night. That's, that's manliness. That's saying to that woman that I love you more than I lust after you. You know, I'm, I'm, I what we have is something that's sacred. So um, a, a man, a real man doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't let his lust run away with him. A real man protects women. A real man stands his ground in the face of a society that's going in all kinds of different directions. A real man spends an hour every day in prayer. And if he's not, he's a poser. If you're not spending an hour with the Lord every day, you make me sick. You know, I know it's not easy, but, you know, people ask me, what does it take to ride big waves? And I tell them, no, that's my 20-20-20 rule. You have to be able to paddle for 20 miles without stopping. Uh, Jeremiah and I, we go out past the reefs, we dive down 20 feet, grab a big boulder and run underwater. Um, I hold my breath for the time of the sunset, two minutes and 20 seconds. There's those 20 minutes of the rosary, 20 minutes of adoration, 20 minutes of, 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 uh, of meditating on the scripture. If you're a man and you don't start your day ministering to the Lord, you're a fool. If you say you're a man of faith and you don't do that, you're a fool and you're hurting your family. So a real man spends his time. You know, men are so focused on work. I got to get up and work. I'm very tempted to have a chair right here. That's my prayer chair. And then I have my office work chair here. And I got to go sit in that prayer chair to start my day. Uh, the greatest work you can have is the liturgy, right? Liturgy means the work of the people. Yes, do your work. But if you're not spending an hour with the Lord every day in prayer, then you're not manly. If you're not protecting the women in your life, then you're not manly. If you're not choosing what comes through your eyes or ears, or your families, by, for example, through the TV, then you're not manly. If you're not pro providing for your family, then you're not manly. So manliness is someone that stands their ground and not only to protect their family, but those in their sphere. I want to dive in a little bit more about what you were just saying there, uh, specifically about the relational side of man to woman. 
that's something that I want to explore on this podcast is how men can relate better to women and be good men in those relationships that they have. Well, look, if you can see this right there. You see roses, don't you? Do you mm -hmm. see them? I do, yes. Okay, those are roses I get. I got from my wife. I also bring her flowers almost every day that I handpick, right? So the, as a man, the most manly thing you can do is really cherish your wife. Cherish her, pray for her. You'll learn a lot about, you'll learn a lot about your priorities if you put her first. You know, if you cherish your wife, everything else kind of gets put in order. You know, the Lord first and then your wife and your kids. Yeah, what do you think about this idea of the nice guy? A lot of... Uh, it makes me sick. It makes me one of the genderless male that fills the Catholic pews. That's so nice. I want to throw up. I just want to throw up. You know, I like your, your, your name of your show is Out of the Cave. Men... What, how did God make Adam? He made him out of dirt. You know? He made Eve out of the rib from his side. So a woman is a more highly distilled form of what a human can be. But a man is just should be just made out of dirt. So the nice guy never does anything. You know, I, he doesn't, he, he's, 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 um, he's uh, excusing himself apologizing for his own existence. And I see it a lot in the younger generation because so many men were raised by women that hate men, right? They, their husband abandoned them. And so the, the young man grows up and, and has learned to hate men. He looks in the mirror and he's a man, you know? So uh, that sort of Homer Simpson's neighbor, what's his name, that guy, makes me want to throw up. I mean, a good man, even a good Christian man might cuss every now and then. I'd rather have that than someone that excuses, uh, that apologizes for his existence. Nice men, uh, stepping into the breach and standing your ground is not necessarily being nice. Right? I mean, you're, that means you're going into battle. And I think it's not only stepping into the breach or, 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 or standing your ground, but now I feel the Lord wants us to take new ground. But the thing about it is when you think about what does it really take to be manly? It takes other brothers too, right? To be formed, to, to develop manliness, you need to be with other men that are pursuing virtue. Definitely. What do, you, what do you think of the coming of age experience that we see in a lot of old cultures that we don't really see to have in, in our own? Did you kind of initiate yourself into manhood or you're just like, I'm a man, I'm 18. No, I think football does that. Football is a great way to do that. But the problem uh, nowadays is, uh, for me, that was my, my football coach. But for the problem a lot today now is, is, is the fathers drop their sons off at soccer practice, which, you know, we all know isn't a real sport. Just kidding. But, you know, they drop them off at practice, but they don't coach, they don't coach that team. They're just sloughing off their kids. What we see in Hawaii especially now during this Corona crisis is you'll see the scripture verse, the last verse of the old Testament comes to life out of the prophet Malachi. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their sons and the sons to their fathers. And you see that on the beach here, you'll see a father walking across the street with his surfboard and two or three little kids, or maybe older 
um, carrying their surfboards, and it's the father, sometimes the mother, but it's the father with the kids paddling out in the lineup. And so the, the and, and here in Hawaii, my wife says, it's really amazing that there's like still a company of men. There's still a brotherhood of men uh, that are, are, are forming each other. They may not be forming the, each other in the virtues or in their faith, but they're teaching each other. Like in Hawaii, it's all about the watermen, right? Scuba dive, uh, surf, fish, sail. Uh, that's the rite of passage is your first 20-foot wave. But you do that in the company of, of, other, of other men. For a lot of people, the rite of passage may be uh, the military. But um, we, need for, we need for here in Hawaii, anyone that's 10 to 15 years younger than me calls me uncle. So there is really the mentoring of older men to the younger men. They'll come up to me and say, uncle, I got in a fight yesterday. You know, what should I do? Or, you know, my wife, my girlfriend's pregnant, you know. So there, there, you, there needs to be the company of men. But the rite of passage uh, as it exists, I don't see it. Except for, for myself, I trained my sons to, uh, I took them out surfing with me wherever I went. And also my four children, I, I had them pursue martial arts all the way, at least halfway to black belt, two of them I got to test for the black belt. So uh, the thing about the martial arts is, is it trains them to fight, to be fighters, to be able to defend themselves physically, to have the attitude of a warrior. But I don't, I don't really see, um, other than for the fathers to actually take that initiative. You see it when they take them out hunting, you know. It has to be a father with a son. And it isn't interesting that the last verse of Malachi has been softened by recent translations, but it isn't a turn the heart of the parents to the children. And it isn't turn the heart of the father to the children. It's turn the heart of the father to the sons. I will carry you, Israel, like a father carries his son. So the fathers need to turn their hearts to their sons and find ways. Uh, each of my sons, I've been on adventures with them. Jeremiah, we went skydiving. Uh, Joshua, we went, surfed in France. Jeremiah and I did a lot of surfing too. But, but you, you, you have to find opportunities to take them on an adventure with you. And then once they've broken, once they've kind of had a breakthrough in adventure, then sit down and talk with them. What, what, is it, what is it you want to do with your life? You know, what is your walk with the Lord? But it has to be one-on-one, -on -one, the fathers with their sons. And then if there's men around you, young men around you, women would be wise, like with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. His father was thankfully wasn't even around if he had been around it would have been a bad situation but his mother was wise enough to put him in the company of men a couple men that she knew personally that could kind of raise him you know instill manliness in, in them but the other thing is we can do that for each other now you know the whole thing about the cave out of the cave um you know i have my thing called bear's man cave and uh we can the rite of passage can be that now you're an older man, come join the company of men. So the That Man Is You program is great that way. Um, um, there's uh, uh, just different programs like that for men to get together and form each other. So like that, my, my, my man cave, it's a secret Facebook group. They join by going to my website, deepadventure.com. And then we give them access. And then we challenge each other. We equip each other. We pray with each other. And we have Zoom meetups uh, every two or three weeks, whenever I feel like it. We've been doing it for two or three years now. But um, it's in the cave that men are formed. You think about 
the cave of Adullam, right? King David's cave. When he escaped there running from Saul, all the misfits gathered to him. The people who owed money were running from the law. All the knuckle draggers gathered together and God formed them, those men into warriors. So those young men who have been greatly harmed by not having a, a father that invested any time with them or, or was a bad example of them, find other men. It's your job to find other men that can uh, mentor you. Um, and, you know, and, and I would say find that through church. But we, the members of my man cave now, they have their own man caves where they get together once a week for a cigar and a shot of whiskey on their back deck. And they, and they read through maybe my book on the virtues or, they, or they're reading through the catechism. But you need to have small groups of men that form each other. Like we, we had a group we started about three, four years ago, a group of my friends. We private texted each other every day. I did my 60 hours. I did my 60 cardio. I did my 60 strength. I did my 60 of prayer. So I did my 60 push-ups. I did my one hour of cardio, whatever, and I did my 60 minutes of prayer. We would just text that to each other. There was a group of five of us that did that. So you need to develop a, a small band of men, uh, and then you can form each other in manliness. And, and the way you do that is you find out other men are just, you don't have to be ashamed because other men are dealing with the same issues you are, but getting it out in the open helps you to, be, to find healing and to break and to find freedom. Yeah, there's a, another thing that we were talking about before we went on the podcast was Gideon's 300, right? The story in oh, yeah. here yeah. about how God, God shows Gideon how to de determine which 300 men out of 20,000 are going to be the men to, to help him defeat the army, right? And I think there's a part of that that's really important is discerning, right? How do we discern then the men that we include in that group to help us, you know, ride the big waves? It's going to be a neat group, but it's going to be a mixed bag. There's going to be men that really need your help because every man's a leader, whether he knows it or not, people are following you. Maybe you're not leading them in a good direction, but there's going to be men that uh, are, are grounded in the faith, uh, men that you've seen by their very life. They're making wise decisions. You're going to find men that are, that are, that need to learn from you. So I don't, I, I you know, finding a, a spiritual director or something like that may be a little bit different, but, Finding men that are like-minded that want to go deeper with God, you know, and then and and then get together and, and start to do that. There's so many great men out there that you can learn so much from. I'm not talking about a spiritual director; that's a different thing. And what do, what do you think then with uh, these adventures, right? As a group, doing things that put you all out of your comfort zone together it would be so wise to do. It would be so wise to do, you know. I, I, there are certain ministries that do that. What is the one that goes out? Um, Mike, Mark Hulk, is it his, his group that does that? Um, that takes men out into the woods and they build a chapel out there. And have, I think it's just so important. You know, God is wild. I say that our, our creed is the most radical thing you can do in life is abandon yourself to the wild adventure. If you haven't been out surfing when a whale pops up next to you or you haven't been out hiking in the Montana wilderness and the grizzly bear starts snapping his jowls at you, um, you, you discover God is pretty wild. He's pretty, pretty much out there. You know, he made dinosaurs and all kinds of crazy stuff. He's pretty wild. He's not to be messed with. He's not to be put on a shelf. He's not to be taken for granted. But when we do our, ro our rolling motorcycle TV show, that's pretty gnarly. 
to take a pack of men and then, and then the, all of the support crew and all of that with us, that pretty much every season that we shoot, it pretty much makes everybody, you're pretty much pretty raw. By the time you're done, everybody knows your virtues and your flaws. But that breaks down the barriers between us, you know, so that we have true uh, fellowship. But yeah, getting men, I, I, you know, I remember one time a guy told me, you know, my psychologist told me I need to get a hobby. So maybe I should take up surfing. And it was just so weird. What a weird statement that is. What that man needed was a challenge. Why don't you go pursue your black belt instead? Or, or uh, like there's a friend of mine here, Cujo, who hikes Kilimanjaro, you know, for fun. You know, get a, you know, decide to climb every peak in Hawaii or something. But, but do it with other men. Always bring a son with you or, bring, or, or do it in the company of another man so that you begin to build a real strong bond of brotherhood. There's certain brothers in my, my life that I know I can call three in the morning and they'll be there for me. Do you think it's only th like it's through these adventures that we build those friendships, especially in college, a lot of guys who I think are guys who listen to this podcast are trying to build these really solid friendships. What would your advice be? How would they go about that even better? Yeah, I would do, I would do an adventure together. I mean, what is fellowship? It's fellows in the same ship, you know, get in a ship. I mean, the disciples were forged probably pretty tightly when they had those times at sea with Jesus, you know? So I'm just saying, get, get, the, get, the, you know, I would say, uh, I would say go on, go on a wilderness hike and one month and the next month go and go and pray in front of an abortion clinic and hand out tracts and talk to people. Those are both pretty adventurous things to do. God will tell you what to do, but you got to get out of your comfort zone, whether it's in ministry or in adventure. You got to do that. God's sick when you just sit there all soft. You know, it's just disgusting. Gift to God is what, you, you know, they say that your gift, God gave you your you as a gift, and your gift is what you do with your life, is what you give back to God. So, yeah, make do something that makes God laugh. Do awesome. something that makes him smile. Awesome. Well, I think this is a perfect place to end. Where can guys go to find more about your work? I would love, so thankful to be on your show, Vincent. I'm so proud of what you're doing and I want to support and, and, and send people to your ministry. Um, if they want to come to my ministry, I, I would love to have younger men like yours to come more and more young men like you, like your audience would be probably. And they can come to deepadventure.com. There's so much going on there. My, my YouTube, my version of my, my, my deep, the Bear Wozniak adventure is all on YouTube. They can subscribe to the Bear Wozniak adventure. Well, it's the Bear Wozniak YouTube channel. So much is going on there. They can go and follow me on Facebook at, uh, at Bear Wozniak Deep Adventure fan page. And we do, the, we do an ocean, we do a catechism every morning for 15 minutes. Bear time, seven o'clock my time, wherever I happen to be in the world. And so you can begin to participate with, with us like that. And our goal would be if you come and, and, and become part of our ministry, would be to, to make you like Vincent, you know, to get you to do the stuff. Just do the stuff. Do the stuff. Pray for people and watch them get healed. You know, do stuff. Just do the stuff. So, yeah, if you come to us, it's our, our, we would like to, to just challenge and encourage the men to become more like you. Be bold and begin to do, you know, do stuff. And then if it's not God's perfect will, which it isn't, at least he can steer you. You know, you can't, the old days when they had, didn't have power steering, you couldn't turn 
the wheel of the car until it started moving. You know, it's much easier to balance a bicycle when it's moving. So just start doing stuff and watch God begin to direct you. He's got something up his sleeve. He's a sneaky guy. He's got a plan for your life. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Bear. And uh, I hope to have you on again in the future. This is awesome. I'm so proud of what you're doing. Uh, well, what's your website? Do you have a website set up? I forget. I don't have a website yet, but you can find me pretty much on most podcast hosting sites. Spotify is where most yeah. uh, podcasts are. And if you want to uh, like it, share it, that'll help it grow and get some more name recognition. Actually, the, the other podcast with the same name is kind of a, a Marxist uh, podcast about destroying the world and remaking it. <laughs> so, uh, that's my main competition. So I hope to get the name, uh, you know, with greater notoriety than that podcast in the future. Awesome. Well, throw together a little website too. So yeah. the knuckle draggers can find you like me. <laughs> Dinosaurs. Okay, my brother. God bless you. Love you. Proud of you. Keep Thank you. Up. Thank you. All righty. Have a good one. All right. Aloha. That was my guest, Bear Wozniak, who has had a fantastic career as a professional surfer, reality and radio show host, pilot, and black belt, just to name a few. In this episode, we got into overcoming your fear, finding your kuleana or responsibility, and what it means to be manly. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got something out of it like I did, and I look forward to having you back for the next one.